Michael showers and shaves, then snaps off a few selfies. He lifts his phone and pouts. At 67, he's a substantial man with ruddy jowls and cheerful eyes. His smile is captured mid-collapse. He deletes the shot. In the kitchen, there's no sign of Sophie, though she has school at eight. While he waits for coffee, morning images from friends come up in his retina overlay. He's annoyed to see the system prioritising, yet more shots from women his age. There's a knock at the front door. Michael blinks. Odd. Nothing registers in his overlay. He carries his coffee down the hall and opens the door. Morning. It's Sophie's friend Eloise, standing on the bottom step. She's wearing an emerald headscarf that surrounds her face like a cowl. Michael's system shows zero data for her. Surprise makes him abrupt. What's with the scarf? I've taken the vow. Sophie didn't tell you? No, come in. He sees more kids wearing the scarves every day. They look like they have something to hide. He agreed with the papers. Privacy led to unrest. So you're just disconnected, Michael asks at the kitchen table. We can still access everything, Eloise says. We're just not sending anything out. Is it a religious thing? No. History of privacy. The lectures were full on. People used to just give it up for free. There was this thing called Facebook where you... Facebook? The word comes to him out of a dream. The website, he says. Yeah, you know it? I used it. Eloise sits forward. You were one of them? So you just gave away your... everything? Before he can reply, Sophie bangs into the kitchen. She looks dismayed. You were on Facebook, she says. I was. Your mother too. We... Michael trails off. He had forgotten Margot was on Facebook. Two years after her death, his memories are as frayed as old rope. He has a wealth of digital captures, but he's exhausting them too. But Margot was on Facebook. She would have posted videos and photos. The thought is exquisite. Michael realises Sophie is talking to him. Uh, sorry, he says. So you don't own your own data? Absolutely not, he says. Everything's public. Pee-pee, Eloise smirks. Sophie blushes. What's that, Michael says. You're pee-pee, Eloise says. Post-privacy. We call it publicly promiscuous. He laughs. The clock chimes eight. They're halfway down the hall when the thought strikes him. Hey, he calls. If I'm P.P., what are you? P.P.P., Eloise says. She flashes a gold ring. Post-post-privacy. We're saving our data for someone special. Once they're gone... Michael thinks about Facebook. His retina and cortex are hardwired, and the results come up in his overlay. 
There's a wealth of old news items. Then, buried in the sediment of Russia's deep web, he finds an archival copy of the Facebook data. He's not expecting much, but strangely, the server responds. A moment later, he's looking at the home page. At the top is a link. Recover your profile. Not bloody likely, Michael says. But he follows the link, skips the privacy statement and fills in a form. His overlay shows ancient code routines waking from sleep. He remembers Margot teasing him about wasting his time on Facebook. So much so that he deleted the thing. Shit. They both did. They deleted their profiles, got married, got on with their lives and now she's dead. Michael leaves the room. He's in the kitchen when it blinks up in his overlay. Profile reactivated. Welcome back. Michael's profile picture stares at him across the decades. His face is lit with an insolent grin. What skin! What a pup! Beneath is a list of things he'd claimed to like. Cormac McCarthy, Seamus Heaney, the Climate Action Network, back when they thought they stood a chance. He scrolls straight past. His heart lurches. There's something from Margot. The photo is tiny, but she looks to be pulling her face. Below it says, This content has been removed by the user. Michael opens her profile. He scrolls through messages and comments, drumming his fingers. That same taunting line is repeated time and again. In the photo galleries, he searches for Margot. Halfway down the page, Michael finds a photo of a woman with smoky eyes and an intelligent mouth. June me, he says. He clicks through to her profile. At the top is a new entry, identical to his own. Profile reactivated. Welcome back. Michael stares. He can't believe he's found someone else on the network. He sends her a message. Later that night, he is reading in bed when a reply comes through. Michael, are you well? He kicks off his sheets in delight. There's immediate chatter in his overlay. 88% of his friends are intrigued. Sophie, studying in her room, sends a WTF. Michael starts each day searching for Margot and ends up chatting with June Me. He finds her fascinating. It seems she's the only other person on Facebook and he likes the irony. From a billion people down to two. She lives nearby and he senses she's recently divorced. He doesn't ask for details. He mentions Sophie and Margot in passing. They talk as if they're still 21. Michael wakes with a good restlessness in him. He catches Sophie at the breakfast table. I discovered an old friend, he says. I know, she says. It's creepy. It's not creepy. June me is lovely. She makes me feel... Just don't, she says. It's private. No, it's not, he says, amused. I want to share it. Sophie stares into her coffee. You think brushing your teeth is worth sharing. Eloise says you make your life cheap by giving it away. That's ridiculous, he says. It's privacy that costs a fortune. Eloise's parents can afford to. He catches himself. Look, he says. 
Sorry, um, do you think this is disrespectful to your mother, to have dinner with June me? Maybe, Sophie says. Yes, and to you. Couldn't you just do it in private? What, you mean turn everything off? Or would you? Well, Michael says, I guess. Outside the restaurant, Michael shuts everything down. His overlay fades, and with it, the chattering data stream. He feels profoundly alone. There are two women sitting alone inside. The first is too young. He passes her table and fixes his attention on the next. His pulse quickens. Michael? He turns. It is June me at the first table, after all. A shock goes through him. She looks twenty-five, thirty at most. When she smiles, he sees the same strong teeth that bit his lip when they kissed on his doorstep that one and only time. Michael, she repeats, it's me, June me. Uh, hello, he stutters. You look um, gorgeous. She searches his face. Affectionate and curious. How are you? she says. They talk and laugh, but Michael is on autopilot. Has she had surgery? Is it her daughter? It can't be her, and yet it is unmistakably the woman he once knew. So, uh, what have you been doing for the last forty years? he asks. How come you look so good? I started a fashion label, June Me says. Skirts from vintage suits, like that one I wore when we... Straight away, they're back into the past. The next time he tries to ask, she turns the conversation to him. He talks about Sophie. She insisted we meet in private, he says. I was going to wear a headscarf. He talks about his fears and hopes. It floods out of him. He avoids talking about Margot. After dessert is cleared and the two of them are standing in the street, while Michael is summoning the courage to ask her once and for all what's going on, he realises he can't do this alone. He's desperate for clarification, but more than that, he has to share this feeling. It means nothing if he keeps it to himself. Michael switches everything on, and as the world comes swarming in, June Me kisses him on the mouth. Her lips are soft and yet firm. He can't believe how good they feel. June Me does not have to reach up like Margot did. She presses into him, lithe against his belly, and as the kiss, its imprint, its strange reality, flows into the data sphere, he feels joy blooming inside him, ruthless and swift. Goodbye, Michael. She bites his lip and is gone. Michael showers and doesn't bother shaving. A hangover beats in his skull. He raises his phone. Click. Sophie is waiting, an emerald headscarf pulled low over her brow. He scans her data in a panic. Total blackout. She looks furious. Are you going to pay? She says. What? Why are you wearing... She blinks, and his overlay fills with Cyrillic characters. 
What's that? he asks. The bill. Or what? You went on a date with a 25-year-old from your past, she says. I don't understand, he says. No shit. Did she know exactly what you liked? Michael nods. She was pretty much perfect, right? Well, and you don't own your own data? Well, of course not, Michael says. See? That's how they do it. After you shared your disgusting little moment, I looked it up. Michael sits. You're going to have to explain, he says. You've let them log everything, Sophie says. They know what you've watched and bought and clicked. Even what porn you watch. They use that too. It's in the fine print when you reactivate your account. You're liable for premium services. She's not real, he says feebly. She's a premium service dad. Wait, uh, what was her name again? June Me Kim. Sophie blinks, accessing her own data. God, she died in the fires. She sees his expression and her righteousness fades. Dad, she says, I know you've been lonely, but so do they. They've built this woman out of everything I've ever said and done? Pretty much. Michael is quiet for a long time. And you've taken the vow, he says. Sophie nods. She places her hand on the table and he sees the gold ring. He tries her data stream one last time. Zero. His daughter is gone, encrypted to hell. He thinks of Margot and how she is gone too. Then he thinks of June Me and her lips and how June Me is right here. Michael looks at the bill. He can afford it.